Welcome to the Toka Backstage Podcast. Join Toka's Executive Director, Chris Wolf in conversations with the artists and people behind the scenes of the Torrance Cultural Arts Foundation's performances and events. Hi, this is Chris Wolf, the Executive Director of the Torrance Cultural Arts Foundation. Welcome to another edition of Toka Backstage. Uh, today, it was my pleasure to speak with Janet Klein, a unique, fun, vibrant performer that we have included as part of our Toka to Go package. Uh, check out our website and look under our Toka to Go banner and you'll see ways that you can actually have Janet send a personalized note and one of her songs to a friend, family, coworker for any celebration. Uh, her voice is phenomenal. She's fun. And uh, I think you'll enjoy it. So take a listen to me talking to Janet Klein. Okay, it's my pleasure and honor to be speaking with Miss Janet Klein, the international touring performer, who will also be part of Toka To Go. So please check that out. Janet, thank you so much for taking the time. Yay! <laughs> Great to be here. Nice so, to the um, Your music style is very distinct. I mean, you've really basically cut out a niche of what would you, and I like the way you, what you call it, because I always mess it up, but it's um, lovely, obscure. How do you, what do you call it? <laughs> uh, well, I like to call it obscure, naughty, and lovely tunes from the 1910s, 20s, and 30s. Now, my question for you has always been, how did you find that genre and what what attracted you to it it's it's been a long story uh i i kind of feel like dorothy on the yellow brick road and uh it just i i have always been hardwired in some odd way that i uh wasn't uh fitting in somehow to uh to the culture at large when i was Growing up, I had a lot of music in the house because my father was a record collector and he had mostly classical music records and some world world music. And uh, so I just grew up uh, playing classical piano and, and being curious about music, but the popular music at the time when I was growing up, I would really try and not get it. <laughs> and, uh, and so, I, I was really close to the older people in my family and um, and they were really fascinating to me and so I started to think well I don't know what's up with me but I think I had the taste of an old lady or something <laughs> so it took me a long time to to put it all together somehow uh, you know I started to the older people in my family would give me hand-me-downs I loved looking at photographs uh, of of them from other times and other places. My uh, part of my family came from the old country in Poland, and I just loved hearing their stories and I loved all the old family recipes. And I just was steeping myself in all kinds of uh, old things. And I loved the texture of it all and the smells of the foods. And <laughs> and then also my grandfather who. I might even be able to see. He's right, right there. Um, uh, my grandfather, Marty Klein, was a professional uh, magician, 
and my grandmother had been his assistant and so I have these really intriguing press photographs and films of him doing his act and and uh, that really caught my imagination also and and anyway most of the stories that I was getting were either leading back to Poland and the old country or to New York in the 1930s and my grandmother had this closet full of gowns, gola may, and all this fancy, gorgeous stuff. And I thought, what, what kind of life did you, what, where do you wear that? And she said, oh, we used to go out dancing nightclubs three times a week, formal. And uh, the whole thing, it just, just led me in that direction. Like, I just wanted to know more about that time. And uh, I was getting hand-me-downs. I still, I still wear things like that. And, um, uh, and also, they, uh, the ladies in my family, they, they made a lot of things. They, they were seamstresses and knitters and, and uh, just needle crafts people. And um, so I just love handmade things. And f little by little, I just found my way to the music from that period. And it just... It just seemed a perfect fit for me, and uh, I started to learn some of the songs for myself and collect and correspond with other people who collected that sort of music. And and uh, like I told my mother one day, you know what? I feel like I finally feel like my molecules are all landed in the right configuration. <laughs> I've always been searching for something that I just wasn't seeing in the world now, you know, in my, my world. So, so I kind of made it. I kind of made a bubble, and I've invited people in. Well, and, and I, I, I think most people, anyone who's seen your, your shows or seen you perform, enter that bubble willingly and, and enjoy it in there, because I've been a big fan for quite a while. You, you uh, you're always so entertaining and lovely on stage and your bandmates are great. Um, but I, it's so funny because I, I almost think that anyone growing up in a certain age that sort of found the twenties and thirties, whether in, in film or music or even the people going to thrift stores, finding, you know, old trinkets, it's just, I mean, is it me or was it almost seems like it was more magical time? I, I do. I, I wonder about it. I, uh, sometimes I, I, um, I've sent things to, uh, younger people in the family or my God babies. And I remember when, uh, I live in Alhambra, California and it's, and there's still a lot of traces of the, of, California turn of the century here. I mean, I live in a house from 1908 and, you know, know that the land before they started building a few houses here was avocado orchard. And I sort of look at everything this way, like, what was here a hundred years ago? <laughs> and sure enough, down the street, there was this beautiful old hardware store and it had been there since the 1920s it had the tin relief ceilings it had all the little displays on little pegboards and um, uh, when I discovered that place I just loved it it's like the signage was intact and everything and um, sure enough they finally closed 
And when they were in the process of closing, I, I took some pictures and I, I sent them to my God babies. I said, you should come over here. This is just, this is a, this is a window into the past. <laughs> and, um, and it's disappearing. It's closing right now. And I realized, you know what? They don't care. <laughs> I think there was something about our generation. There was just enough evidence on the, in the landscape that seemed intriguing. These old bars and lounges and theaters. And I mean, and, and fortunately, some of them are still there. Um, maybe I do think that there, there was maybe more uh, there for us in the and the thrift shopping, we were more collector types anyway. Everybody was collecting records, and now everybody's just online, and they can get whatever they want there. So maybe that's just the new frontier. But for us, it was sort of. Were you that way? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I. I <laughs> it was such good adventure. It, it was like uh, I would go to. I grew up in Santa Barbara, and I would go to the museum. Um, in their basement, they would show old movies, and I so I watched like. Uh, Marx Brothers or, or Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers and I'd walk like four blocks down to this, these thrift stores and find like, you know, old trinkets and clothes and we would dress up. I mean, I, I, I kind of missed the mark of going down the road completely, but um, I, to me that, that period of time is fascinating. And it, because it is just, it, it I mean, if you look at like, you know, an old Fred Astaire movie, it's like, it, it seems so, I don't know, magic. It seems like a f stupid phrase, but it seems magical almost. Works for me. <laughs> <laughs> and what I've been saying over, uh, you know, during this time of quarantine and everything, I, I've been repeating things that I sometimes say in different ways, and that is that if there is anything that I've personally stockpiled, <laughs> it is Depression-era peptonic. Because all the music and all that culture, like those Fred Astaire movies, it was just made, it was custom-made to help pick people up during the hard times yeah. of the early 30s. And so I know this works. It worked before. And it's still, it still is uplifting. It's so beautifully crafted. There's, and and I, I, I've kind of been wondering all along, I, I wondered why is it that the, there was so much wonderful, um, there were so many wonderful productions and, and that the level of art and design in the 30s during such hard times, why was it so great? And I think, how do they even do it if, if everybody was suffering, if there was so much suffering and uh, uh, problems with, you know, the economy? And, um, and somehow, now that we're going through this time ourselves, I think, you know, I think that there's something to hard times that it forces people to change, to be really resourceful, and maybe to knock themselves out in different ways. But I <laughs> And I think too, that at the end of the day, it's the artists that get you through it. You know, it's it, whether it was Fred Astaire or you or someone else. It's it's people look to 
the creatives to get them through the hard times. Yeah, well, Tin Pan Alley, they sure, they should, sure did their part. I was just reading, um, I, I'm reading some essays that were written by Ian Whitcomb, who we just lost in April. He was a friend and bandmate and a great music historian and performer. And, um, and he, he was saying in one of his essays that, that, the, that the world of songwriters um, in, in the U.S. in the 20th century, early 20th century, like for instance, they, they went full on to, for the World War I war effort, and there was so much music written around that and around bolstering people's spirits around that and um and then a whole other wave of this wonderful depression era kind of picked me up positive music i mean not all positive a lot of it was very frank and had a lot of dark humor to it um so some of it comes across to people as being kind of naive because it's it's just pure purely made to you know find the joy in life and find the joy in things that don't cost any money and remind everybody about it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so just, I just want to let people know that, you know, you, you are available to do a, a, uh, custom message on recorded custom message with an ad, one of your, uh, songs that you've included. Um, was it tough? I mean, you have a huge repertoire. Was it tough to pick specific songs that you were going to offer up? No, it's tough to edit down. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many good ones. I thought, oh, I better not overwhelm anybody. Yeah. But um, but because I love the I love rare songs, um, I kind of can't help that. I, you know, I may not do the most recognizable ones, but they're but it's worth a it's worth checking these checking them out. You might you might know some of them. They're all, they're even the all... ones you don't know. You, you you might be just I, I hopefully I gave enough of a snippet and a sample so that I can spread some of these good ones around. And that that reminds me for if if you aren't familiar with Janet and you want to check out some of the the songs you can go to our website torrentsarts.org and click on Toka to go and she made this great little edited video with little snippets of um, the songs that she that you can pick from it's it's amazing um, so one thing I think people don't know if they didn't watch the tape long enough. You had an appearance in the videotape of The Jerk. I did. I, I was asked to do a little bonus feature. How, how did that come about? Somebody just called me. I think that they, <laughs> the, the production company that was doing, that was putting together the DVD, mm -hmm. uh, it was for the 25th anniversary uh, of The Jerk. And they, Somebody must have said to somebody that, oh, there's this, there's this Janet Klein, and she recorded the song Tonight You Belong to Me, which was uh, one of the little features in, in the film where Bernadette Peters yeah. and Steve Martin uh, play the song on the beach. And um, so I was asked to do a, a little film short that they were going to put on as a bonus, and that they wanted me to to uh, teach how to play the song on the ukulele. 
And uh, so when I found out that they didn't want me to re-record it, I said, you know, uh, it might not be the easiest thing because I play in, an, in the old vaudeville tuning and everybody else, when the, when the ukulele got popular again recently, uh, everybody seems to beeline to the Hawaiian tuning. So I've, I'm one of the only people I play in this A, D, F sharp, B tuning. I think people are going to get confused. And also on the, on the recording that I originally did, I was playing with a capo very up high. And so I said, people are gonna, they're going to be confused uh, if you just want me to use my already existing recording. But, but okay, let's do it. <laughs> Well, I, I saw it. It was it was a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm I think that's great that you did that. I just want to thank you so much for for taking the time to talk today. Um, it's always a pleasure, and I hope to get you back uh, once we're able to get back into the theater. I hope to bring you back. Um, but again, I just want to remind people that they can go to torrentsarts.org, check out Toka to Go, have Janet record a uh, personal message, and singing telegram. Singing telegram. Um, and uh, so thank you again and I, I look forward to seeing you in person thank you so much Christian I can't wait to, to make some fun <laughs> bye <laughs> bye bye